choir for that beautiful anthem entitled Offertory. How appropriate for that song to be sung in light of today's sermon, which is New Beginnings, It's In You. You know, as the senior pastor of this church, as one who is pursuing a doctoral degree, I'm sure you would like to all think that I am a world-class student, wouldn't you? Well, I do like to study, of course. I study in preparation for sermons, for Bible studies, for papers, and for class. But there's this nemesis that I have. It's my Achilles heel. It's something that I can always do in order to procrastinate, a word I'm sure that none of our youth ever have to encounter, right? It's called TV. I like to watch TV. Do any of you like to watch TV? Specifically in the Hughes house, we have some TV tensions. For you see, I like to watch anything related to sports. Now, not just my favorite and most sacred teams and the Furman Paladins and your World Series champions, the Atlanta Braves. But I'm talking about I like to watch sports even when I don't care anything about either of the teams. My beautiful wife and daughter will walk in and say, Daddy, why are you watching this? And I'll explain to them that it's the same reason that they watch the British baking show. (laughs) It's on TV. It's interesting to me in some shape, form, or fashion. But this next part really gets them. You see, even when there's not a ball game on TV that I want to watch, I will watch sports documentaries. Oh, yes, they exist in abundance, especially if you have done the subscription to the ESPN Plus. You can have full access to every ESPN 30 on 30 that was ever made. Hours upon hours of meaningless sports trivia delivered directly to your home for your consumption. It's a beautiful thing. This last series that I watched and was really compelled by was about the greatest basketball player of all times. And no, I'm not talking about LeBron James. I'm talking about MJ, number 23, Air Jordan, his airness, the six-time NBA champion, Michael Jordan. And in this ESPN sports documentary entitled The Last Dance, it recounts his entire career with the Chicago Bulls, but specifically the final season when NJ brought that sixth ring home. Do you want to know what stood out most to me as I watched all parts of the 11-part series? (laughs) MJ was never in doubt ever about his giftedness, to a fault. In fact, he would use anybody else's doubt about his giftedness as fuel to his fire. For as many gifts and memes have retold from that series, and I took that personally. MJ always took it personally and would seek to revisit upon those who doubted him tenfold as he once again 
took down the likes of the Knicks and the Suns and anybody else that would dare challenge his supremacy as the best basketball player on the planet. But this wasn't always something that was great. In fact, as you invited in the testimonials of his other teammates, you quickly understood that Michael was a difficult guy to play with. In fact, he could be a flat-out jerk. He was so unbelievably confident in his ability, but then he would expect the same from every other person on his team. You might remember that Michael, during his heyday, was the spokesperson for many, many a product. Um, Well, of course, there was Nike. He still has the most amazing sneaker on the planet. There was Rayovac batteries. Does anybody remember that? There was Hanes. There was jockeys. And then there was this last one in which, as he took that sip of his favorite citrus sports drink after having played on the hard courts of any town USA, he would look at the camera and he would ask, is it in you? Is it in you? Of course, me as the 10-year-old would then go to the refrigerator and drink a gallon of this orange-flavored Gatorade and said, oh yes, Michael, it's in me. I'm drinking the same stuff you are. Now I'm going to go out and try to dunk on a six-foot goal. But Michael didn't so much ask, is it in you to his teammates? It was better phrased as, it's in you, or it better be in you. Michael always expected the best, and his teammates oftentimes got riled. But you know what they never said? They never said they regretted playing with Michael Jordan. Quite the opposite. Despite his many insults, despite his many woes, They were always grateful, grateful for the fact that they had the opportunity to play with one who had such giftedness, but not only brought the best out of them too. And for that reason, they were champions, winners. They have titles beside their name, which made them famous. And for that, they were grateful. And while I'm no Michael Jordan, and we're not the Chicago Bulls, There are some things which we can stand to learn from those who were never in doubt of their giftedness. For you and me also have the same assurance from the Holy Spirit that it's in you. It's in me. The Apostle Paul, as was read by our brother Tommy Cox, is speaking to a church and he is boldly claiming to the church of Corinth, it's in you, which comes as some surprise if you read the entire letter. For this is a letter in which Paul is excoriating behavior within a church that is riddled with things like sexual immorality, divisions based on who their favorite pastor was. They had people that would put certain levels of supremacy on other spiritual gifts than others, and they even excluded some people from the Lord's Supper based on their class. Sheesh. All this, and I still have people that say, Pastor, if only we could get back to the way they used to do it in the early church. Have at it if you want. But Paul says boldly, even despite all of your 
various and abundantly clear problems, Corinth, it's in you. It's in you. Saying that inasmuch Jesus Christ didn't just come to save you from your pagan lifestyles and your sin. Moreover, Jesus Christ came so that you would live life abundantly, as he says in John 10.10, something that is here in our ever-present, something, my friends, which the church far too often misses out on as we see Jesus as just an answer for our eternity in heaven. But that's not just the reason Jesus came. In fact, many would argue his greater urgency was always focused on the here and now, wherein the people that were being called unto his name would realize and live out their own God-given giftedness for the kingdom of God and the eternal purposes it served. So within that light, I think that Paul and MJ can speak to our own new beginning, a new beginning which I believe firmly depends on every single person here at First Baptist Church Carrollton discovering their gift and mastering their spiritual gift. That is what I believe, and I believe that every single person here today has it in them to do that. Let's look first in verse 7. Paul writes something that I think serves as a hinge point to the whole entire scripture, which Tommy read. He says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Paul said, by this Spirit, only by this Spirit, are you able to proclaim Jesus is Lord. When you lived as pagans, you had many spirits of the world, but none of them could allow you to say Jesus is Lord. Only the Holy Spirit can enable someone to do that, and only this Spirit can give us spiritual gifts which have eternal worth. Paul then goes out to list many of those in detail, but notice that Paul never says, and this gift is yours, Brother Bob, and this gift is yours, Sister Sally. You see, Paul realizes that the great wonder of our faith is in fact the process in which we enter into a mode of discovery and exploration so that we find what it is within us that comes alive when we are in service to others. That is, in fact, how we find our spiritual gift. There is no other way to find your spiritual giftedness than to enter into a wide variety of service to God's church. There will be instances in which you realize that this is definitely something I'm gifted in, like teaching a Bible study or doing a benevolence ministry. And there will be other times when you say, this is something that is definitely not my gift, like middle school to ministry boys, middle school boys. It's going to be abundantly obvious and clear, but here's what I want you to be on the lookout for as you are in a mode of self exploration. I want you to be cued in to that moment when something deep inside your heart and soul comes alive when you are in service to another person made in the image of God. I remember that from my own life. 
I was a 19-year-old camp counselor in Camp McCall, a place where I had attended as a young boy and then served on staff. And at Camp McCall, I was a part of a larger ministry team that served these young boys doing everything from bedtime devotions to cleaning up their cabin to this part at chapel when I was invited to deliver a message to them one evening. The camp director, Cliff Satterwhite, would always do this, inviting one staffer to come and speak before the larger camp, and it would be completely to your surprise, but you always had to be ready. He looked at me and said, David, it's your night. And I got before this group of 200 boys in full chapel, and it was scary. I was shaking, but something came alive as I told them about Jesus, something that not only I felt, but other people there noticed, something that I could not deny, something that I wanted more of again and again. You might say that it was in that moment that I discovered a spiritual gift within me, a desire to preach Jesus Christ to all people. And I'm so thankful for that moment that I received that call and felt that aliveness in my heart. But you know what? It's not something that should be uniquely relegated to me because I am now your senior pastor. In fact, that is something that God wants all of his people to experience, that you and your various acts of servants would have that moment of epiphany in which the light bulb comes on and you say, oh yes, this is a spiritual gift, something from God's spirit, something given uniquely to me, something that I can use for the common good of all people. Oh yes, we must enter into a mode of discovery, exploration, in which we are seeking out what it is that God has given to each of us. And once we have found that, my friends, we must continue our journey. It's the first step to find the spiritual gift, only the first step. This next step is the one that invites a lifetime of involvement in which all of us, all of us are called to become masters of our gift. Think of the last time that you were in the presence of a master artisan. It might have been just a few moments ago when our brother Larry Frazier sang beautifully, Ride on, King Jesus. Think about the last time you saw a master athlete or a master craftsman, something that after you were in the presence of the demonstration of that gift, you were left in utter awe. Your understanding of the dimensions of life grew significantly. Your own desire to go and experience more grew significantly, all because you encountered a master. In fact, that was the ministry of Jesus. Everyone that came into his midst realized that not only were they to call this man master, but they were in the very presence of a master. His words, his healing, his ministry caused everybody to take pause and to think there's more to this life than just 
the here and now. There's a deeper spiritual quality. There's an invisible kingdom in which I can invest in that will give me a fulfillment which I've never felt before to be a master. And just like Jesus was a master and we too can become masters of spiritual gifts, people will also be left in awe. But unlike the artisan, craftsmen, athletes of these worlds, they will not be applauding you nor me. They will be praising God, saying, God, thank you for having created such a life. I want to be closer to you. I don't know about you, but I've been blessed by the presence of masters of their spiritual gifts in my life. And this one individual stands in special memory because he is not one who is a possessor of degrees or money or anything of that nature. He's but a humble carpenter in the south of Chile, a place where Rebecca and I lived for three years. His name is Esteban Quevedo, and to this day, Esteban and I are deep brothers in Jesus Christ. The thing that stands in my mind for Esteban is his mastery of being able to listen to the voice of God's Holy Spirit. He's one that has dedicated himself time and time again to this practice of this gift of simply listening and leaning into God, whether it be in the quiet of his wood shop or walking down a road or simply opening up his Bible. But I can assure you, friends, as he bears forth the revelation that God has given to him and that he then imparts to other people, I am always left in awe. I'm always one who leaves the presence of his voice by phone and says, now thank you, God, for someone who is a master of such a gift. That, too, is, in fact, all of our callings, to discover not only our spiritual gift, but then to master it. So where do we go from here? What's the next practical step that you and I need to take so that we can become a new beginning of gifts that have been discovered and then are on the road to becoming mastered? It's within this very short and simplistic phrase. It's called, let's talk. Let's talk. For I know as surely as I have preached, hopefully somewhat well and making sense, that there are you who are sitting in the pews or listening online who are saying, but I don't know where to begin. So, let's talk. Let me, as your senior pastor, just listen to you Let me, as your senior pastor, guide you to areas in this church which are ever in abundance of places where you can serve and be in the act of discovery and exploration so you have the moment in which you come alive. And as surely as you're hearing this, you're already discounting yourself, saying, but I don't have it all together. There are things that aren't quite right with the Lord. There are things that are just too busy and too complex. You know what I say? You're right where you need to be to get started. Let's talk. 
I invoke, in fact, the words of the great Dr. Martin Luther King, a man whose giftedness was made abundantly clear to this entire nation in civil rights and racial reconciliation, a man who did not allow any excuse to hide his gift or that of others when he said, if you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl, but somehow we've got to keep moving forward. I don't care where you are today, flying, running, walking, crawling, but the imperative for all of us is forward. So let's talk. And if you are one that knows your spiritual gift, whether it be prayer, encouragement, compassion, or many of the other ones that Paul lists, the imperative still is let's talk. Because in finding our gift, we cannot become complacent with its use and its practice. We can't become contented because you have not arrived. Neither have I, nor will we ever. We are all being called forward to amplify, explore, and express our gifts so that we can continue to lean into the mastery of them for the glory of God. So, Let's talk. I want to conclude today's sermon by quoting one of my favorite authors and writers of all times. His name is Parker Palmer. He is not only a beautiful writer and teacher, he is also a Quaker, one who brings about more contemplative aspects of the faith. Listen to what he says. Every human being is born with some sort of gift, an inclination, or an instinct that becomes a full-blown mastery. We may not see our gift for what it is. Having seen it, we may choose not to accept the gift and its consequences for our lives. Or, having claimed the gift, we may not be willing to do the hard work necessary to nurture it. But none of these evasions can alter the fact that the gift is ours. Each of us, each of us is a master at something And part of becoming fully alive is to discover and develop our birthright competence. Here's what I believe today. And I am but a reflection of God Almighty and his holy word. Church, it's in you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Now is a time of consideration for how you will go forward and discover your gift, how you will... March forward in the mastery of your gift. But right now, it is a time of commitment. So any and all who want to begin this process can give indication to God, whether it's by coming forward and speaking with me, praying in your pews, or singing robustly the song that is in your hymn book, that that which I have received, I now give unto him. In this time of invitation and response, I invite all of us to open our hymn books to hymn 665, because I have been given much.